She didn't know how to tell him she was in love with the Rasta man. Fire was burning and burning to let out what she was holding in. Before she said, Daddy just wants our corporate. Find somebody that's corporate. Suit and time more appropriate. Him say him now make him daughter stray. But reggae music she start with plate. I talk food when she sought her plate. Militant youth where she won't be date. And that is what she need. Marcus Biavi she start to read. Here stop home and it start with neat. So we won't keep her off the street from who she with. And that be me. More than a natty head is what she see No love asleep is not for me And she no won't keep it a secret But she can't tell him who she sleep with This is Tian Buku One. And this is Yola. This is the Black Russian Podcast, episode 32. We've been goofy and spotty with the podcast over the summertime. We just had a good time. Yeah, traveling and living and stuff. So we are back. And this one is kind of going to be a cool poo-poo platter. Because every week we have a list of topics. And then another week goes by. And we have a list of more topics. And another Mm -hmm. week goes by. We have a list of more topics. I stopped putting things on the list because it got to be so long. Yeah, endless, endless. That's a good sign. That means we're never dull moment um, when dealing with love and relationships and internal crazy shit and face planning and growing and all this stuff like that. So what we'll do is we'll do what I normally say. We do not favor any style of relationship over another when it comes to monogamy or non-monogamy or whatever you identify yourself as. We are opposed to mandated styles of relationship whether it's mandated monogamy mandated polygamy or mandated polyamory or anything like that so we are about saying that what defines your relationship that makes it great or a failure or anything in between is the quality of work that's put in between the two people and most importantly the work that we put in in ourselves so we're not dumping all of our trash on each other poisoning um growth and love so that's that now We'll get into our quotes, and then we'll get into the recap. It's been a long time, but I looked up what the, the last episode was, sex versus sexual energy. Yep. Yep, and stuff like that. So we'll go into our quotes. You want to go with yours? Sure. Mine are all touchy-feely, so we'll just roll with them. When it is warm with tenderness and affection towards others, our own heart can give us the most pure and profound happiness that exists and enable us to radiate that happiness to others. I think I um, I know the difference when I do that and when I don't do that. And I've gotten to the point where I can uh, go back and realize that I'm not being warm and fuzzy towards other people. And that makes me not feel that way. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, let me switch that up. Right. 
the depth of, of experience, insight, and realization that can come from the practice of self-reflection is not a result of intellectual analysis or complex theories. Our challenge is to just see reality as it is. I think us, the ones that come like me from the intellectual side of things, we want to find like a mathematical solution to this whole thing and it doesn't exist. Right. Like we keep coming up with formulas, if I only do this, if I only do that, if I only do these tasks every day, if I only write my whatever, gratefuls every day, if I only write this every day, if I only do this, then it's gonna work out. And if it's not working out, it's just because I have not found the formula. Right, yep, and the reality is the formula is fluidity, presence, and turning off my alarm that says oh remove God. knife. <laughs> <laughs> We're yet to figure out which knife and why are we removing it. Tion is not known for carrying knife. I'm really curious. I, I really a, want you to remember why. That's so random. I have a, a for you guys who don't know what the hell just happened. On my phone, I have an alarm that's set for 6.44 p.m. <laughs> that says remove knife. <laughs> and we haven't figured out remove knife from what? From where? Or where? I don't know why. I put random names on alarms, but that's pretty, uh, pretty <laughs> ultra random. So going back to your... <laughs> I understand. Yeah, so basically, you know, um, there is no equation. The equation is a combination of... Alertness, introspection, checking in and growing and most importantly staying fluid and understanding that every equation between you and a different experience or a different person is going to take a very different balance of understanding, knowledge, listening tools, wisdom, patience and just the unexpected. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, living a life of integrity is hard work. Following the path of spiritual growth is hard work. Awakening and staying mindful in each moment requires constant honesty. It is exhausting, though sometimes also exhilarating. Oops. But it expands through all your relations and, and creates a lasting legacy. The benefits of integrity and wisdom compound over time. I think, um, and we'll talk during the podcast uh, about this article that uh, Tina read, but we don't talk about like how difficult this stuff is enough. Right. You know, we yeah. we think, oh, this is great. It's going to be fun. It's going to be great. And then we hit the road, and it becomes hard. Yeah. And when, we're, when, we, when she says this, we're speaking specifically of this style of relationship where you are open and encouraging growth and empowerment, even if that means beyond the confines that are comfortable to your foundation of your relationship or just not even a like within a relationship it's when in the relationship to yourself like what i find the most difficult is not you know how am i how do i stay in this relationship but how do i actually become honest in the relationship with myself that's right. the most difficult part right well the secret is you guys we're telling you the secret now hopefully you don't stop listening Everything we talk about when in, in regards to relationships with other partners or lovers really is all about the relationship that we have with our core true self and our path and our connection. Everything else outside of us is just our projections. Mm -hmm. So the relationship we have with ourself really will manifest itself in other relationships throughout our lives. Yeah. Uh, so those were my quotes. No. Let's see what right. you have. Is it all about football? <clears throat> I don't know. I just don't know. 
Um, I, I'm not supposed to be admitting that I watch football. Really? Um, yeah, I guess. Because, you know, football... Is macho. Football is ma macho. Football is racist. Football is corporatist. Yep. But if that was the reasoning for me to stop watching football, I'd pretty much have to stop doing everything in America and the world and anywhere where there's money, power, greed. So um, being a black man in America, which is based upon is like, I, it's still my, it's, it's my place of living. Um, it's like a family. There's family members you can't stand. There are family members that are corrupt. Um, and then there's joy and there's a beauty in it too. So all of the above. Not to mention I have friends that play in the NFL. Yeah. All right. So, no, but they're not about football. So if you don't sacrifice for what you want, what you want becomes your sacrifice. Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> so, you know, I think that goes without saying what that means. Um, the other one is stop shrinking yourself to fit in places you've outgrown. Real spit. Mm -hmm. Spitty spitties. And then my last one, which was the one I stumbled upon, which was amazing. Amazing. When you decide to be with someone, make sure you know and can't speak English. <laughs> Let's try again. When you decide to be with someone, make stop it. <laughs> Just posting. I know. God, social media, man. I know, I know. The playback. Alright, try it again. When you decide to be with someone, make sure you know, explore, and unpack how they were raised. Many folks are raised on survival and not love. And I thought that was so amazing because a lot of times that will give you an indication why certain people act a certain way, especially when they get hurt, when they get concerned, when they get vulnerable. And it may not be because they are um, they have malice in their heart, but it's been a survival tactic for some people to either cut and run or to attack, to prevent being attacked or to shut down um, or to just look out for self. Um, and a lot of times when you understand where someone's come from, when someone comes from, it helps you understand why they do that. Maybe they've had to um, survive that way. They've mm -hmm. had to go for themselves. They had to be a little um, aggressive or even shady to do that. And it doesn't mean they don't love you, but that will help you understand, you know, why they were there. And overall, like just understanding each other's origin story will really help each other understand why it is we struggle with certain things, why we're really good at other things, why we completely don't understand certain things, and why um, we have conflict. Because a lot of times the conflicts rarely have to do with, I don't like you and I'm just going to make it really hard for you. <laughs> you know, it's just other things that we're dealing with inside of ourselves. So those are our quotes. Now, <clears throat> recapping the last episode, which seems like 14,000 months ago, <laughs> um, was sex versus sexual energy. Um, which was pretty cool. I don't know if you guys listened to that, but you should. So really quickly, just give them a quick recap, recap of the difference between sex and sexual energy in your mind. Well, sex is, you know, to me, it's the physical act. Sexual energy is what we feel when we interact on a very intimate physical level without touching that's you know I, I think that that's that's a big difference and I was talking in the ap in the last episode I was basically running through my um, realization through 
my experience of shutting everything off, including sexual energy, of how important or how, like, the changes that happened in my own psyche without sexual energy in my life. Mm-hmm. Me taking forever to realize that, that that's what I did, that I shut it off, and then finding a way to tap into it without engaging in sex. Right. Right. And we also learned through this time over and over again through the years, but reinforced through this era, is that a big part of your connection to your divinity and your truth is through that sexual energy and cutting that off had negative results. Right. Cutting that off basically left me with my mind. Right. And my mind is what I'm trying to, like my, uh, my mind I've listened to for 40 something years. Right. And it's really strong. I don't need any tools to li- to hear it. You know, it's always uh, it it's always ready for me. Right. It always wants to give input, which is great, but that's not what I'm trying to do now. And l- allowing, like, taking the counterpart of the mind off leaves just the mind. Right. And then when the mind is alone, it's like, oh, I get to play fully. Right. <laughs> and then. It's it's a pretty telling story of what happens when it's just your mind. When you have spent some time in the balance of, you know, other energy in the mind. Right. And then your you take spirit, that other your right, your spirit, your intuition, you shut that off and you go back to just the mind and you're like, Holy shit, this thing is big. Right. Yeah, it's loud and uh, it's loud, it makes you wanna like it tell it, it, it was telling me that I shouldn't be here. Like, look how hard this is. You shouldn't be here. You should just leave. See, I've been trying to tell you. Right. And, you know, luckily my intuition and, you know, my connection to myself is strong enough where I'm like, holy shit, like, this is not at all uh, true, but this is loud. Right. So I can see how for people who, are, who, don't, who, who have not spent enough time with their intuition and spirituality, and don't learn, haven't learned how to trust it, going back to listening just to the mind is comforting. Right. So there's no conflict. It tells you specifically what to do. It supposedly, ta- you know, make, wants you be happy and calm. And well, here's the solution. Right. And then you don't hear anything else and you go straight back to it. Right. And so, you know, it's a very powerful thing. And, <clears throat> you know, when you discover that it, that is one of your core connections to your divinity, it's very important to find healthy ways to access sexual energy yeah. without always having to go out and have sex. Yeah. And I think a lot of people struggle with that because I think a lot of people do connect the, to their divinity, to where their mind is at ease through sexual interaction. But the problem they encounter is that they'll end up having sexual partners that are not right. doing it for the same reason. And so although during that... 15, 25, 45 hour long sexual experience, they may let go and feel free, but then they're left with a whole bunch of baggage and different toxic energies. And and you're obligated to certain things. Then you're you're being pushed into certain paths uh, while really getting to learn how to access that 
without being connected to another person is right. really super powerful. Yeah, and you know, our one of our big, big goals through everything we talk about is the goal to shift the balance of being more self-referral and self-sustainable um, versus being object referral, meaning that your primary nutrients of love, passion, feeling of sexy, feeling of confident, feeling purpose and feeling desire comes from within and through you living and breathing and feeling that, that you can provide that for yourself through gathering through your life that the universe will then reflect that through other people, places, and things. I think it's a lot cooler to have that come through from, like, from within and then go and choose a sexual partner that you want to experience actual physical sex with right. versus needing a partner right. to enter into the space that you need to connect to yourself. Right. And that's, you know, when you're self-referral, you can provide yourself with the food you need. So when someone offers you a meal, since you're not starving, you can actually evaluate if that's something you want. And you feel free to be like, no, thank you, because you know you're fed regardless. Um, and you're fed good to your liking. Now, if you're starving and you're just, you know, completely malnourished and someone offers you some junk food or some junk food sex, you're more apt to take it because of your desperation. And may not even trip off of what that may do to you afterwards. So that's where we get more self-referral. When you're object referral, you're damn near slave to other people, other places, other things, and their emotions and their opinions and their intentions. Yeah. Um, and then you're always looking to the answer to your problems and other people. Mm -hmm. You're always looking for the, the feeling of love and feeling of attraction through someone else giving it to you, yep. which means you're a slave to this. Um, and we try to liberate ourselves from that so that way we can become more interdependent with other people through energy and connection, but not codependent to where we can't function and vibrate at a high level without them giving us what we need. So that was that. And we had some funny, wacky, I forget what we got into, but we got into some funny shit at the end with like the patriarchy and the home cooked meals. And the, was that that episode? That was that episode. I was clicking <laughs> through the end. I was like, oh, I remember that. If you listen to it, it's pretty funny. You'll feel the difference. You'll feel the shift. You can feel like in real time um, when we trigger each other and then the awkward dance to navigate it without completely going off on each other and shutting down the podcast <laughs> and screaming. And you know, But you can feel it. If you're paying attention, you can definitely feel the energy <laughs> shift. And I think that's, you know, we had talked about at the time and both decided um, that it's really good to keep that in the podcast. So... People can really understand and see and feel what we talk about when we talk about the shit. Because people um, have a tendency to, although they hear all the crazy shit that we do and, and the hard work and the face planning, they still go, yeah, but it's easy for you guys. And you're like, right. do you, are you listening <laughs> to the content? Like, it's easy. Like, no, it's not easy. Um, it's becoming more normal because we do it so much but that doesn't make it any easier it's not easy to be um steph curry or lebron james like it's not easy they make it look easy because that's who they are but their regiment of what they go through and their pressure and the psychological balancing and the physical labor is just a lot so it's good to really show and share the awkward uncomfortable weird squishy stuff that we do so now we get to get into this episode 
and it's crazy because we have a podcast. Like, <laughs> like it's been a minute, and so it's like, oh shit, we have a podcast. Like people listen. I've had, you know, I was in Brazil, and I had a couple friends who were like, yeah, I've listened to the podcast, and I referred it to my other friends. I'm like, what? Yeah. Like, oh shit! Like just random people um, have been, you know, popping up saying they've listened. You know, you've had some people who just started listening now yep. and. Um, and they're really into it, and it's really helping, uh, helpful. So that's, you know, that's basically why we do it. Yeah, but blessed to have the gift that keeps on giving. So Eula's going to throw out random topics from the list, the long list that we have, and we're just going to dive in. Yeah, there you go. That's the one you've been wanting to talk about for a long time. It's been on deck for like two, mo- well, I don't know, three, four months now. Don't yuck my yum. Don't That's yuck. One, yeah. yeah, you've been waiting yeah, to like, get into wait, it. Wait, say that again. Don't yuck my yum. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love it when it was flowing. It was like, don't yak my yum. I was like, don't yak it? <laughs> yeah, so don't yuck my yum was the title of a episode that I wanted to do. And maybe we'll do a full one later. But basically what it is is every single human being has a different balanced diet of what they need and how much they need it to fill Um, at optimum some people need to go out more some people need to stay in more some people need more social interaction more physical diverse physical interaction some need very little and in problems when it comes to relationships we tend to try to regulate other people based upon what's okay for us yeah um and that can create problems because our expectations can create you know um unnecessary and unfair parameters for somebody else it can box them in and make them feel trapped I mean, you and I are very different in a lot of ways, like in how much human energy you need versus how much I need, how much time out you like versus me, like all that stuff. It's super different. Yeah. And we have to get good at um, checking ourselves when we feel uncomfortable because they did something or the frequency of them going out with a certain people. Like, you know, we've had couples who are like, you know, we think, you know, you should only go out with somebody maybe once a week or once a month. And it's like, well, how do you, like, that may be okay for you, but how do you know that's okay for them? Maybe maybe this scenario creates, they would need to go out two or three times that week because the person's only there for two weeks. Right. Or just, I'm feeling like I need to be out more. And for, for me to be who I am or you to be who you are, you need to stay in more. You need to go out more, which means if we support each other, we both come back and it fuels our relationship. But if you ever felt that... I'm imposing something on you that's not what you want to do or vice versa, then we're not going to be natural. We're not going to be in our balanced state. There's going to be resent and frustration and anger and pissed off. And this kills desire. This kills desire to grow. And, you know, I think that the interesting part is that we tend to do okay uh, compromising in other areas of Mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. You know, you eat meat, I don't eat meat. You're not going to make me eat meat. Right. Uh, you like to stay up later. I don't. We'll figure that out. You know, you like certain movies. I don't. We'll figure that out. Right. But when it comes to sex, everything is so heightened and everything is so sensitive right. that we will regulate the other person based on our own comforts. And that's right. where it comes from. Like, I'm only comfortable. Like, it makes sense to me to go out with the same person once a week. Therefore... 
Right. It is sense. It is comfortable to me if you go out with the same person once a week. Right. And that thing is so sensitive that you can't possibly expect that I will go above and beyond my own sensitivity here. Right. And that's the challenge. Is you know. To try to keep that same frame of mind and spirit function when you're vibrating at a high level, keep that with you when you're tired, when you're maybe a little bit more insecure, when you're triggered. Like, can you still maintain that level of ethic? And it's not easy. And we we all it gets the best of us a lot of times, but we have to remember that, you know. Well, and I, I think that's where practice comes in. Right. That's where training comes in. Uh, but that's not what we do. Like right. we don't practice, we don't train. Uh, you know, we do the best we can, so to speak. But our best we can, when we are super sensitive, is definitely not right. the best not we can good. do. And if, yeah, and if you don't train, you're not prepared for it. Then you just, every time it's a surprise because you don't want to think about it. But that's the reality. Everybody has a different balance of things they like, and things they need, and things they want. And the reality is. Even in one individual, that changes day to day, week to week, year to year. The things that I needed for my balanced diet 10 years ago is very different than today. And even in our relationship, what me and Eula might have felt was the most important thing to focus on 10 years ago is not now. Yeah. Uh, and having that room and understanding that that's perfectly normal. Like that's not weird that we've grown and that we've changed. Because if we're doing life right, we're probably going to grow and change and evolve, move forward, move back, amend, redirect, come anew. Yeah. So you know, let's talk about like the, the most difficult. You know, so we can have a situation where both people stay stagnant, mm -hmm. right? So there's no nothing gets triggered. Right. I mean, boredom sets in. Yeah. There's no sex or whatever. Maybe there is, but it's just, it just whatever. Becomes, it is what it yeah. is. Uh, so that's not a problem. Both people are growing and understanding that the other person is growing. That shouldn't be a problem, right? Right. But it's only when one person is wanting to grow and the other person is wanting to stay the same. That's probably the most difficult That's yeah, that, That's a all. big problem. So you take that. And then you add, um, <clears throat> one person wants to grow to the left, and the other person wants to grow to the right. Yeah. And and someone's like, well, I didn't. I support your growth, but I don't. I don't wasn't expecting that. Um, and the reality is, when you deal with growth and yourself and other, especially with another person, is you don't know their path and you don't know what growth means to them. So when you care about somebody. Ultimately, you, you want to support and encourage their growth. But what we tend to do is we have an expectation of what that growth looks right. like. Right. And when it doesn't look like what we thought it would, we try to impose some types of guilt or passive-aggressive, I disapprove of your growth. Um, and that's a bigger problem because you don't, when you support someone's growth, it could be their growth could be what if they discover their bisexual what if they discover they need to travel more? What if they discover that they don't want to be home seven days a week or five days a week anymore? They want to be home three days a week and they want to be out four days a week. You know, yeah. everybody has a threshold where like, oh, I support growth, but that's too far. Right. Um, and then we have to check ourselves, you know, like where, what are the thresholds? 
what what parts of growth break up our core foundation and if their growth breaks our core foundation do we support the growth to be like i want what's best for you even if that's not what's best for us so that means we have to adjust or change our relationship most people will not do that they will act as if they they won't say it but they act as if this i love your growth but my comfort is way more important than your growth and this structure of our relationship is way more important than your growth or happiness so any type of any type of growth or happiness that you try to pursue that changes my comfort zone or the structure of our relationship i'm not gonna support i'm gonna find a way to disapprove without saying it because it sounds crazy to be like i know that makes you happy but fuck that it doesn't make me it makes me uncomfortable so crawl your ass back in that box um and we're talking i was talking about this with my friend Cabez in brazil and you know i was explaining to him that on one end think of a spectrum on one end is freedom absolute freedom on the other end is absolute security and so when you're single you're a little bit more to the left you have more freedom you can go you can date you cannot date you're not living with a girlfriend or a boyfriend you can kind of go as you please see as many people as you like or not or whatever you do you have totally freedom but then you miss that consistency of the companionship yeah. and structure so when you get into a relationship you start moving further and further towards security then you get married and you have lots of security if it's done right because you know the routine you're living together you know their schedule they're always there for you it's it's you know it's very comforting but what happens is you go further and further to the right the further you go with more and more security the less freedom you have well, yeah, and with freedom, you're losing desire, you're losing excitement. I mean, that's a classic, classic, classic uh, situation that Esther Perel is really good at describing that dichotomy of right. us wanting both right. security and excitement right. at the same time from the same person. Right. It's very tricky to do. And, it, and so what we tend to do in our society is we sacrifice lots of freedom for, com- for security, which is great because we do need security, especially when you're building and a family. And we do that voluntarily. Yeah, totally. Both of us do. But then we wake up later on and we realize, ooh, maybe I do need a little more freedom to go out. Maybe I do need the freedom to grow and to change. And all of a sudden, the box that we, we decided to subscribe to till death do us part is a very rigid square box that doesn't allow for too much change. Or we're afraid to talk about even having that change. So then we're trapped. And so what I was talking to him about what seems to be most ideal is your relationship is like a vehicle that can move to more security when it needs to. And that can move to more freedom. So you have the range. Um, But it's hard to do that when you have a structure that is mandating where you can and where you can't grow or explore. Yeah. And then, you know, like in the last few days, we've uh, we've been talking about how... uh, so much is imposed on us by society as we are, you know, learning more and more and more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are two tracks with which, like, that we all, most of us grow up with. Mm-hmm. One is what's expected of us professionally, and the other one is what's expected of us personally. Right. And both of them are as rigid mm-hmm. as the other, pretty much. Right. You go, you know, you graduate from high school, you go to college, you get a profession, you get into a career, you're locked in. It's pretty much as difficult to change a career Mm -hmm. as it is to make changes in your marriage. Right. 
like if I wanted to go from my well-established, well-paying career, right. you know, corporate job, and become a baker, right. um, it's a challenge. Uh, you know, and even that people like, you know, have been doing more and more of more so than changing the marriage, but maybe that also kind of comes hand in hand, you know, when you start, start considering what am I about? Like, what do I value in my life? You know, you see your friends have cancer at 40 and maybe die. You're like, damn, you know, I may not even have that long. Right. Do I want to be stuck in this nine to five, which I hate? Right. What is it that I really want to do? And you know, that probably triggers, I mean, that definitely triggers some people going, fuck that, I'm going to follow my passion. Right. And, you know, there, there's some of that that we're seeing through friends, you know, seeing through reading about it that happens in the marriage. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and you got to think a lot of us get into our core career or our core marriage or relationship when we're very young and we haven't lived a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so based upon the limited range of what we know, this seems like the most amazing thing. 10 years later, yeah. it may not seem like the most amazing thing, yeah. your, but what do your, you do? Yeah, your six-figure salary becomes your prison cell. Right. And yeah. then, you know, you start thinking like, wow, okay, I have a security that I, that I dreamed of and now I feel trapped. Yeah. And now I feel needed, but not wanted. Uh, now I don't have variety. I don't have um, dynamics in my life. I have, I have complete, consistent, reliable, sustainable, repetitive things. And all of a sudden those words, which used to be like the most important things, I want a good man who's stable, who's reliable, and all these things, all of a sudden they don't, they don't feel as good when you say them. Mm-hmm. And they start sounding like prison sentence. Yeah, and it's just so difficult to not fall into those routines. I was reading uh, on uh, people of of New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, this young guy in New York, he was like, you know, when I graduated from college and got this job, obviously some corporate, probably investments related, whatever, whatever. Right. I promised myself I was not going to get into the routine. Right. So for a while, I would wake up in the morning and play music really loud, and I would go to concerts, and I would make plans on weekends, and I would do all this stuff. Right. And after a while, I just got tired. Yeah. And I found myself in that routine that I promised myself I wasn't going to get into. Right. It just it's, it pulls you in, and then it locks you down, and everything is built to, towards it. Yeah, and it goes back to what you're talking about, intellectual equations. We all like to have a simple intellectual equation for things in life so we can click save. This is what I do. I'm married. This is what I do. Click save. I don't have to think about it too much because too much thinking about it creates uncertainty. And uncertainty creates instability, which can create anxiety and all these things. So... If we want to be free, we're like, I want to be free forever. I don't want to be tied down. And then what that happens is your freedom becomes a jail cell because you've locked yourself into it. And then you start feeling a different way sometimes and you get anxiety. Like, I don't know this and this and that. But if you go, I want to be in a stable, secure relationship, eventually you may not want that as much. And the, and the relationships that we built, a lot of time we're building it on 
the expectation we're always going to want the same thing and the mm-hmm. same balance. And the reality, especially in relationships and long-term relationships, both of the people in the committed relationship change. Their yum changes. Um, and so each person's desire of how much freedom versus security, they're probably very different. It's like, you know how Aaron had a way of eating that totally was in line with yours? Right. You knew for a fact that he ate what you ate. You could right. eat any of his food, and all of a sudden he started eating avocados. And yeah. you're like, <gasps> yeah. and then you had to, like, every time you see him eating a salad or eating right like an avocado you're like your first instinct is still like holy shit are you sure you want to eat that like really this like uh but then you're like people grow and change and evolve and even people who love each other can change and evolve and if you took a couple and you put them in separate rooms and you had a piece of paper that on the far left of the paper had freedom and on the far right had security and you had them draw a point on where they feel their balance is today, and then you brought them together, I guarantee you they wouldn't be in the same point. And then if you did that three years from now, I guarantee you wouldn't be in the same point. Well, and also if you ask them where do they want to be versus where they think they are, and then you show it to their partner, that's going to be some revelation right there. Right, and I think we make it so hard on ourselves because... We try to, we, we, in our society, and just the, the subtone, the subversive tone of the society, is you have to pick right now for the rest of your life. Hey, I remember how difficult, well, it lasted for about an hour, but so when I transferred to Mills from Vilnius University, right. I went for computer science. Right. I went for the first class, I went to the first class at Mills. I sat there and I was like, holy shit. There is no way I can do this. Like, right. no way. Totally. I went right then and changed my major. And I was really scared to go home and tell my parents. Right. Yeah. Like, it was not... Luckily, that didn't freak them out too much. But it was definitely not something that I was looking forward to. Right. Telling them that I changed it. I couldn't do what they wanted me to do. I mean, I'm blessed that I did that, uh, but it wasn't easy. I think that pressure of like, okay, you have to pick the one. Yeah. When you get married, you have to pick the one. When you pick your career, you pick the one. And that pressure, um, A, it limits our perception of our options. And the reality, you know, you don't, there's many ones, although you may choose to spend, your primary is this one, but... This one and who you are when you choose that one is going to be very different five years from now. So you can re-choose them over and over again as you guys both go and change, but it's good to every now and then re-look at who you chose and go, am I the same person that chose that person? And the person that I am today, does that still work them? with right. that person? Who is who they are today too? And yeah, and if I'm if I was... Choosing today, would I be choosing? Would I choose the same person? Right, to the person, to friends, to career. And a lot of times we go, you know what? I don't want to think about that because I've already chose. 
And or, so, or you know, we avoid conflict. Like, you know, the conflict thing is the big thing. We'll do a lot of things to avoid conflict. We'll procrastinate. Right. We'll push, like, things off. And then, you know, we'll try and pretend that maybe something will happen that we will not have to right. do it. Yeah. We'll suppress a lot of these truths in ourselves. We won't be honest with ourselves. So that kind of leads us into this question that I've had, and I don't know the answer to. But so, what do you think? Like, how do you think couples deal with issues that they just cannot reconcile? Like, you and I have reconciled all of our, like, we do not have issues that we cannot reconcile right we have issues that are more difficult for me than for you you know in practice there are there are you know habitual issues but the principal core right issues we don't have anything that's not reconciled yeah we don't we're fortunate well fortunate and you know we pay enough attention but, you know, fortunate, too, because you know, you may not discover you have core. Well, I mean, no, we did. Like, we, we came, you know, when when we were dealing with the oldest one, we had an issue that was a core, you know, how to deal with her defiance. Right. And that was core. That was your core of being raised, right, to where right. that was not, whatever she was doing was not acceptable in your world. Right. And I was like, I feel differently. I feel very strongly. Right. And I'm gonna hold my my ground. Right. This right. is. Uh, we're gonna do, or I'm gonna do what I know. My intuition is telling me. I understand that it goes completely against you. Right. Yeah. That was probably our our, de- our biggest, closest thing to a core a moral disagreement. And luckily, it wasn't a situation to where. We had a standoff to where I was like, absolutely not. And if you're going to do that, I lose total respect for you as a parent and all this like that. You know, I got to a point where it's just like, okay, I trust you. I'm going to let you leave that. Um, You know, but yeah, it's. Well, so talk about that. Like that, I think that that's a way to resolve, one way to resolve an issue where you can't logically reconcile. Right. Or ethically reconcile. Well, I think for me, um, you know, I had to understand that, you know, A, this is your daughter that you've raised before I got there. Um, and in that space, I'm your co-pilot. So although I may have strong opinions about that, um, at the end of the day, you are the executor of that. And if you feel you can handle that and you feel strongly enough about it, then I can fall back. Um, lucky for me, I'm okay being, I can, I can either can fall back or I can lead. I have a hard time being in, in back and forth. So I'm uh-huh. like, if I feel, if I explain what I, what I feel about it and the mathematical equation of what can happen and you're like, yeah, I got, I understand, but I feel this way. I got this. Then I can fall back and I go, okay, cool. I'm going to follow your lead. Um, and once I do that, then it's not an issue for me. Right. Um, luckily it wasn't something like alcohol. Right. Or, uh, some religion right. or some political <laughs> you know these things where it's like I feel it's morally or ethically against and it's the trajectory of direction is wrong luckily on the on the kid thing we both wanted what was best 
we just had different ways of getting there. Right. So we were able to adjust that. But if what you felt what was best was diametrically opposed, like if you were like a staunch alcoholic and you were like, look, I drink all the time. I don't think it's a problem and I'm going to continue to drink and I'm going to smoke cigarettes. And that's what I do. And I'm like, that's not cool. I'm not with that. I can't be about that. Then it's a, it's a really different thing. Because if both are dug in, like, no, this is... But then you just leave. Like, you know, like, you would just leave. You wouldn't be in this relationship with me. That's pretty... Right. Pretty, you know, black and white. Well, technically. I mean, the earlier that would happen, the easier that would be. So if now I started drinking heavily, and I'd be like, whatever, Tion, I'm going to drink every night. I could care less about what you think. You would not leave. Well, it's not to say I would not leave or I would stay, but it would take a lot longer of a process to figure out what I was going to do because there's so much more at stake. There's so much more embedded. So that, in saying that, you think about people in relationships who discover later in their relationship that they have totally different concepts about what love should be, how much they should have, where they should go, to a point where some person feels completely confined and trapped or completely disagrees, but they have 20 years under their belt with kids and mortgages and legacy and all of these things like logically you could be like fuck that if i wasn't married for 20 years with this person i just met him i wouldn't fuck with him but i have all this to factor in and my comfort zones and my fear and my what are my kids going to think and all that shit so so i should send out the questionnaire yeah it's a lot trickier or um, i should do like an online thing yeah there's no right answer i'm just curious uh, yeah. because it just feels so uh big and uh, it's like living with an elephant in the room mm-hmm. at all times yeah. I mean and this is why it's very important um, we get to know ourselves and our boundaries and our thresholds before we get with somebody if possible because we'll be able to know early it's a lot easier when you're first dating somebody if you're like well tell me about yourself I love to drink and I sm- I'm a chain smoker and I go oh I don't like drinking I'm not chain okay cool then I can adjust my relationship or my intentions or my desire, my investment right then. Yeah. You know, if we have three kids in a house, we're building a business that's going great and we're doing all these other things that are great, but then you start drinking more and smoking cigarettes, it's going to be harder for me to just like cut and run. So if, if I didn't know either that you did those things or I didn't know I had such a negative reaction to them, then it's hard for me to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, so this understanding of knowledge itself um, and being self-referral, like we talked about, being able to nourish yourself helps a lot because, you know, if you're nourished up, you feel well-loved, well-secure with your sex- with your sexual energy. You, you have all the, your, just your core stability is fulfilled by you and your life. When you meet somebody, they could be the most attractive person. You can have the most amazing chemistry, but... There's core things that are diametrically right. opposed to your path. It's easier for you to walk away. If you're starving and you're insecure and you're lonely and you're looking at your biological clock realizing that I'm getting older and I don't want to be alone, you're much more apt to be like, yeah, he chain smokes and drinks probably a little too much, but fuck, man. Like, I, I don't know if I'm ever going to meet somebody like this ever again. And then you dive in and then hope, hope that that problem that you saw in the very beginning doesn't end up still being there, which most of the time it, you know, still 
is there if you yeah, allow yeah. yourself to be honest with yourself. It's fascinating. I, you know, I, I'm sure that we're going to keep learning about specific people and situations, and you know, what what are the reconcilable differences that they live with. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's tricky. I mean, we know people who are like, one's a, a Democrat and one's like super right wing, and it's like, how do you guys coexist in the house? And they find a way to do it. Yeah. Definitely do. Don't yuck their yum, I guess. And, you know, everybody has a threshold. Everybody, there's no right way. Um, maybe you guys agreed on the yucks and agreed on the yums. And now all of a sudden someone's like, I like to amend my yuck. It's now a yum. Then what do you do? How do you work it? Yeah. Ho- hopefully you talk about it. Yeah. And not just be like, she'll never agree to this new yum of mine because I told her for so long that it was a yuck and I can't tell her or vice versa that we get into the deceit and all the things that we talked about in the last 31 episodes yeah alright next topic next don't yuck top- my young bianch <laughs> I try not to we got a to. podcast fuck that I try not to yeah I mean you know you can eat your pussy your <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, what kind of ice cream do you like? I don't I like hate? ice cream. Well, no. I'm lactose intolerant now. I can't well, eat no, ice cream. Like almonds or, uh, or mocha coconut. Almond fudge. No, no, coconut. Oh, my coconut non dairy. Yeah, yeah, you can take that. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm yeah. just going to watch no, you eat good. that. And you can have all the beets and pickle Sour dipped crops. in whatever the fuck yeah. you were dipping it in today. I was like, it was hard. I just, I just like, walked really <laughs> far away. And it, held, it wasn't held, even held my nose. It wasn't even pickled. It was like eggplant stuff. With what? What it just was like eggplant. What did you? What was the green? Oh, thing? it was. It was. It was a cucumber. Oh, okay. I just, you know, it was not a pickle. Preventative maintenance had me think it was a pickle, <laughs> and I had to go. But it's all good. Good. So if I don't want you in the kitchen, I'll just pull out the pickles. Yeah. Excellent. Totally. And boil some eggs. Yeah. Yep, and pull that out the beats and all that stuff. That might run you out of the house. I'll go skateboarding. Yeah. So you want to motivate, motivate me to skateboard more? Make the house smell like that, and you'll see me start skating a lot better and a lot faster, a lot more these days. All right, so let's talk about your, uh, it's not funny, and it's really super, <laughs> <laughs> super serious. It, it, it showed me where I am with my white privilege, and it took you to some deep, 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 generational trauma spaces yeah. that you hadn't been in maybe forever maybe you've been yeah. to before Not but firsthand yeah firsthand so what i'll do is i'll just tell the story uh yeah let's see yeah okay i can tell the story we'll go to break afterwards yeah well you know, let's go to break right now and then i'll come back and tell the story <gasps> suspense the black russian suspense. podcast episode 32 all right they longing for know what they longing for and I've got it I've got it we've got it yeah. young general I talk tell anyone at all them never could have won take a part in a army man a war in a mini lake army see them a move with the message of Yahweh 
can't listen who they be like hardly Them a play for them party in a party Here say hardly, start drive hardy Beg your pardon, I'll be my misery Lead who them last, we no follow them Organize and farm in a one again Twelve tribe in a civil with the ban of them Bobo Hill attack, walk far, do no bother them Ethiopia, the heart of the covenant Queen Makita, the start of the sovereign Still I see you harder, we governing We no in none of them things So I say, I say, I want all of we living in I and I a pasture Greetings a bring again I say a guan oh, All of we living in I and I a pasture Greetings a bring again I say a guan oh, When I and I a pasture Say I say a guan oh, When I and I a pasture Said I took a break and I love the break Now I off the break looking to make a break At a greater stake and in flow sweet like greater cake Sharp than a greater make and then I take a date And I make a mate at a greater pace Now I use razor blade and grade my face Yeah. I wanna go see Protégé Yeah let's go see him again That all the tracks this episode are gonna be Protégé tracks As we just saw Protégé twice in the last four days in two locations. In two locations in the Bay in LA. And we got to actually kind of meet him, blessed him up with some O shoes. You know, it was after a show, so, you know, the dialogue wasn't very super intense and long, but it was nice. And mm-hmm. he was as cool as we hoped he would be and wasn't a dirt. Yeah. Which is very helpful. So, yeah, let's get back into it. Get back into it. Yeah, we're talking about uh, my experience. So, we won't go too much into the preface. Let me just no. tell the story and we'll talk about it. So, I worked at a graffiti street art gallery for the last year, worked with, but ended up trying to be work at. Difference being, I was working to be on a partnership side of things, but I ended up being more like an employee. Um, we do these really cool workshops, corporate team building workshops. We teach people graffiti. And there's an assistant that's really cool that I got along with great. It's a young girl. Young girl. We'll call her uh, Jody. And Jody was really cool. You know, she's like Filipino white, like felt like my little sister like there was no attraction there was no desire to any of that just like a homie super cool everything's great worked for months and months and months almost almost a year maybe even a year um and then right before i go to israel i get a message uh, you know a call from the owner who's like hey we need to talk and he's kind of in this weird tone I'm like huh he's like well jody said that you said something sexually inappropriate to her and it made her feel really uncomfortable and I was like, what, really? So I scanned my brain for like, what could I have said or done um, that would make her feel that way? So my first reaction is not to say, no, I didn't, and she's crazy, and what the fuck. I was like, whoa, uh, you know, can, can we talk? And I, and I would love to listen um, to hear what I said, um, because I work really hard to not say dumb shit like that that would put somebody... A woman in that type of position or feel that uncomfortable so um, she did not communicate directly with me at all she said she didn't want to talk about it right then and so the owner's like okay we'll talk when we get back so I get back and still no talking she goes on a trip no talking she comes back and we're all back and she still doesn't want to talk and the owner's not doing anything to make this conversation happen which is a serious situation at the workplace right um, it doesn't happen. I'm still scanning my brain. I can't figure out what it is I could have said. Um, you know, I'm very aware of what I say when I say it. I can say some dumb jokes. I'm not saying I've never offended somebody right. um, for sure. 
But anybody that was around me, if I say something dumb jokes, they can be like, yo, that shit was not funny. Or that shit was, you know, I didn't feel that. So never, we, the conversation doesn't happen. So it starts to get a little weird because I'm just trying to just not be around her, put her in a uncomfortable situation while I'm trying to still do my thing. And I come into the office one day and one of the other coworkers, a younger dude who's, you know, early, late 20s, early 20s. And he comes up, he's looking at me with this weird negative energy, like real, like, you know. And he bumps, you know, he comes into me and he's like, hey, I want you to know that I'm not happy you're back. I don't like you. I don't like what you did to Jody and what you said to Jody. You always say crazy shit at workshops. And, you know, this is a place of business and you shouldn't be doing that type of stuff. And I'm looking at him like, okay, well, I'm already in talks with the owner to try to get this reconciled with Jody and apologized. Um, and don't ever talk to me that way ever again. Like, I'm not a, I'm not a little kid. Um, I've been doing business, whether it's with the community, youth, older women, you know, all this stuff. And if I was that dude that was so out of pocket and so misogynistic or predatory, I wouldn't be where I am. Mm -hmm. And he's like, your, your reputation's already shit. Everyone knows. I'm like, okay, all right, cool. So just don't talk to me. And he's like, yeah, I just want you to know that it's not it. And you said something like, keep the wall tight like a hymen or some shit. And I'm like, huh? So that's the first time I really hear about what I may have said. Right. I'm like, keep the wall tight like a hymen. I'm like, okay. Um, it sounds like a really corny rap reference, which I wouldn't think I would say, but maybe I said something like that and she wasn't feeling it. I'm like, okay, cool. My initial thing after that is like, oh, then I can, if she, if she tells me that's what it is, I can be like, oh, I'm terribly sorry. That sounds like a dumbass joke. Uh, I will never say that again and feel good about it because I can understand her being offended by that. And at the same time, me feeling like, okay, I didn't right. say it to her. It's about, a, if I did that, it's about a wall, not yeah. her. But it could be just, but you know, I don't remember saying that, but I very well could have said something like that. So then, you know, I leave that room and then I go in the other room where, you know, the office manager's there and she's like, is everything okay? And I'm like, did you hear that? And he's like, she's like, yeah, what's that about? I'm like, yeah, I don't know. So he comes in that room and he's like, yeah. And I, got, I just want you to know I'm watching you. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. You know, and I'm like, okay, don't talk to me anymore. I'm good. So I go to walk out and he blocks the door like to where his shoulder hits my shoulder. And like this dude is like 170 pounds wet. If that. If that. Yeah. And I'm looking at him like, wow. After that, I was like, you don't want to get physical. So we, we diffused it. And I was thinking like, man, like he must be, he must have been told some a lot of really crazy shit to make him feel like he's willing to sacrifice his physical well-being for the sake of saving womanhood right of so someone that he's just work friends yeah with. so it must be a lot and so you know I, I talked to the owner the next day i'm like yo you know this happened this is crazy i don't know what's going on he's like yeah i'll try to figure it out so weeks go by yeah he sends a group text between us and her and says let's get together and talk and well, she four of you and yeah she did yeah. she Long story short, he sent texts to all to both of them saying we should all get together and discuss. They did not respond to him. They ignored it. And at this all this time, they're still working. So it gets to the point where I'm like, OK, well, I don't need to be doing workshops until we figure out, does she think I'm a bad person or I made a mistake? If she, if she thinks I made a mistake, then we can talk. And she can tell me that this is what you said. This is what I don't like your behavior like this. And I can be like, okay, my bad. I will change that. And I totally apologize. Right. Um, or, but if she thinks I'm a bad person, I'm evil, I'm a dirty predator, then I don't need to be here because it's not good for her or for me. And the owner's like, yeah, well, I'm trying to figure that out. I don't know. She won't want to talk about it. 
And I'm like, okay. So, you know, it gets to the point where it's kind of just getting weird. I'm like, okay, I need to figure this out. I don't know what's going on. Um, and then the next thing we get a, a text, you know, I look at the schedule and we have a workshop together. Like she's assisting me in a workshop. So I send her a message and I say, hey, I see that we have a workshop together. Uh, I'd love to talk to you beforehand to see if we can kind of just get on the same page. She doesn't respond to me. Then the owner then sends a text to everybody saying, hey, so you guys know we have workshops Monday. And she responds to him in front of everybody and says, no, I told you I'm not doing this workshop. And the owner's like, oh, okay. And like just lets it happen. I'm like, wow. So I call him, me and Eula call him and say, hey, that's crazy that, you know, she's clearly in a state where she's not cool. And we're not getting anywhere with this. And it's getting to the point where it's starting to really threaten um, my reputation. And it's, right, gonna, and it's, it's becoming dangerous. It's becoming dangerous for everybody. And I said, now what I'm concerned about is that she's talking to her boyfriend and other graffiti writers and that now I may have an issue with, you know, the walls, the murals I'm doing getting dissed or, you know, even getting, you know, jumped by some dudes. And he's like, well, I don't know about all that. Like, you know, do you have any proof that that's what happened? I'm like, no, nothing yet. So then later on that day, I, I look on my Instagram and there's a message from some dude saying, check your, check your DMs. He slid into my DMs. <laughs> and he's like, yo, you need to check yourself, old man. He called me an old man. You can call me an OG. Call me an old man. He said, you need to check yourself, old man. You're out of pocket and you really need to watch yourself because I don't like what you're doing. I'm like, I had no idea who this person was. So I'm like, right. okay, peace. Like, uh, what is this in regards to? And he's like, you know, just in regards to you disrespected Jody and that's my girl. And if you do that again, you know, you're going to see what's up. So you need to meet me at the gallery soon so I can show you how serious I am because next time I'm not going to be talking to you like that. I'm going to show you in action. And I'm like, okay, well, with all due respect, you know, I thought we uh, were on the process of getting understanding and reconciling this with Jody and the and the boss. Um, I apologized and everything, and so I don't I don't understand why you're coming at me this kind of way. So he comes back and's like, "Yeah, yeah, she got your apology. She thought it was fake as fuck. She's not buying it. So you need we need, we need to meet up." And I'm like, "Okay." So I'm kind of just like, with all due respect, like I'm raised by my mom. I have a daughter and a wife. I work with women, youth in the community. Like, I'm not that dude. I understand why you're upset, but I'm not that dude. You know, so we can meet up, but I'm just letting you know, like, this, you know. And so he's still doing it, so I have to call homie, you know, and like, yo, do you know this cat? And he's like, yeah, I know this cat. He's, you know, whoop-de-whoop, whatever. So then my homie calls the homie in the streets who's like, yeah, I know. And so this homie has to call this dude and be like, yo, you should probably stop talking that way because, you know, this this is Tion's not the that dude. He's not that dude. So all of a sudden, I get the you know I get the next DM like, okay, look, if what if your apology was sincere, then it's all good. <laughs> you know, I just but you understand why I was talking to you that way. I'm like, yeah, I understand, but like I'm saying, like I'm not that dude. So we defuse that where I got actually physically threatened when we defuse that, and so I call the owner back. I'm like, yo, I I'm done. I can't be here. You know, this has gotten further, and in this day and age. Being a black man um, who's in a non-monogamous relationship um, during the Me Too movement era with a lighter lighter shade of lighter, 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 lighter shade of brown woman accusing me of being uh, sexually inappropriate. That can she could tell a friend who could tell a friend who could tell a friend. It could be like he tried to, you know, sexually assault her or harass her or whatever. And nobody 
would believe me unless you knew who I was. Um, and so it started to hit me how dangerous the situation really is. Like how my reputation could really go down fast and how any woman who didn't know me would assume that right off the bat and it would be their word against my word. And, you know, in the circumstances that men have put themselves in and just the climate, the, I would never be believed, you know. And, then I, and it was crazy because I was looking at memes on Instagram and it was, you know, and it said, first, you know, when your girlfriend tells you she's been sexually assaulted or harassed, the number one thing, believe her. Right. And number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, had nothing to do with investigation, discovery, talk to the man, or any of that. And, you know, other than this situation, I'd probably be like, yeah, for sure. Because, you know, I would just be like, yeah. And then me being in this situation is like, damn, there's a lot of nuance in this. Um, but I realized I, my voice would be lost. Um, and then I realized um, how dangerous that is to be a black man being accused of sexual assault. Um, in this day and age. And then I realized what got really scary between between the character defamation of that is just really, f I had this feeling of this fear and it's this legacy trauma. And, you know, one of my other elders and my other brother was saying like, yo, this has happened to where a white or a lighter shade of woman got somehow rubbed and just maybe didn't like you. Maybe didn't like you being there. Maybe she felt threatened by who you were. I don't know. But she translated that angst into something sexual and her boyfriend or her dad or the police ended up lynching that dude. Yeah. And black men have been lynched and strung up and dragged by cars based upon a statement made by a white woman. Yeah. Um, and then it really got scary. And so that's when I had to completely remove myself from all of it. I wanted to be out of this woman's mind, out of everything, because I don't think she realized how the impact of what she said. And meaning not I when I when I when she first made the accusation, I sent her a long text apologizing for anything that I may have done and wanting to listen and learn and totally appreciated and, and commended her for coming forward and speaking up because in the environment of visual and graffiti art, it's a very male-dominated chauvinistic thing, and I feel that. And so I was like, you know, I appreciate you for speaking up. But after two and a half, three months, she's not wanting to talk to me and even explain what I did to give me a chance right. to apologize. She didn't want to talk to the boss, but yet she's talking to her friends because it got to the point where there's two men that wanted to basically jump up in my face, willing to get physically violent with me yeah. um, over it. And so I had to remove myself from that space. Um, and it was a crazy experience. I've, you know, been super duper mega mama's boy, women's advocate for as long as I can remember. Um, and I've been very grateful that I've never put a woman in any situation like that that would make them feel that I said something or did something that was so sexually inappropriate that they had to, you know, anything. Um, and it's not to say that I haven't said dumb jokes and shit that was probably inappropriate. Um, but I've always been in a situation to where the woman, if I had, could just check me and be like, yo, that shit was stupid. Don't say right. that shit anymore. Um, but I'm already hypersensitive. Like, I have 12 albums. I only use the word bitch ever. Right. Like, there's no derogatory shit in, towards women in my, in my vernacular. Um, so it was a trip. 
it just really put a lot of shit in perspective to me at how fragile um, everything I built is and how, you know, one woman could be like, yeah, him and the squad of energy, the collective energy from all the all the evil that men have done would now be me. I would be that next perpetrator. Yeah, and that's, you know, like from my side, and I think the, you know, the purpose of retelling this story is uh, that there is, yeah, there's a nuance in the Me Too, uh, but we've already known that. Um, But there's also the whole, that the white privilege goes so deep that, uh, you know, this was probably one of the most uh, telling and revealing experiences for me personally um, while this stuff was going on when we already decided yeah this is getting dangerous so Tion needs to remove himself in my mind I'm like okay well what's the worst that can happen you know someone files a lawsuit or you know there's a case well we get a lawyer he didn't do anything we'll clearly figure this out yeah, like that's my worst case right, scenario, right. you know, and that's my white privilege speaking, because I don't, I even me, I didn't calculate that this is a black man, and you know, with a white woman on the other side, or whatever, like probably any woman or lighter woman on the other side, it's not an even stack. No. And that I had never experienced in my life. You know, to me, it's like, okay, well, you know, we're going to get a lawyer. He didn't do anything, and it's going to get worked out. Mm-hmm. And then it took Tion a few days of feeling weird by the time that he was able to actually vocalize it. And when he vocalized it and when the whole, you know, generational legacy trauma kicked in, that's when I'm like, yeah, I mean, we all know those stories. Right. When a white woman accuses a black man to cover her her ass, you know, for doing something inappropriate with them. And then that's who ends up being lynched and, you know, and, and punished. Yeah. Uh, and that, I mean, I don't know that it's a lot different now. No. And I, you know, the lynching may not, well, in the South, it's still literally lynching and right. <laughs> tracking. Um, but... Uh, you know, here, the lynching is character assassination. Mm-hmm. The lynching is the proliferation that black men are dangerous. And they that keeps everybody on edge, including police, which makes them more apt to pull out a gun and shoot the black man. So there's so much more that hinges on speaking um, something that can be have such a um, consequence without wanting to follow up with that, without wanting to file the complaint or um, even discuss, let me know what I could have done. And the crazy thing is, it's not like me and her had a strained friendship. We had a great friendship. Like, we worked together great. Um, She was always happy and positive. I I have my own hypothesis over that. I don't think it's her energy. I think it's, you know, her boyfriend wasn't liking you being around her, and this was, you know, a perfect situation to get her to you know uh change her opinion about you right and you know it i in my opinion it, ca- it all comes from him i don't think it comes from her right 
but not even that kind of falls into the whole story pattern, right? Yeah. Because those white women that had sex with black men, mm-hmm. their brothers they liked, and their fathers right, didn't like, like that. They so didn't feel obviously, you know, to be attracted and to have sex with a black man. You don't feel negative about them, right? But then the fear kicks in of what have I done, right? And what are they gonna say? So then she throws him under the bus, right? And that's pretty much like I feel that's a version. Like what happened is a version of that, right? In a common world, you know, I mean, in in the current world, and a current world version of it. And the crazy thing is, is you know, technically it could be innocent. Technically, she was not thinking that when no. she said that. Right. Technically, she's not fully white. She's Filipino and white or Filipino right. or, you know, whatever, you know. So there's a lot of nuance. Yeah. But it's definitely a younger, much fairer-skinned woman who threw an accusation out, not thinking about the repercussion of it all. Yep. And not to be discouraged, right? We're not saying she should be discouraged to say that, but... The follow through. You can't make the accusation and then get everybody in up in arms to where they want to fight and violently attack this person and then try to be like, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Okay. You know, um, so it was it was crazy. It was scary. It was deeper than I thought. It came in waves. At right. first I was just like, whoa. Then I was like, oh shit, get the fuck away from everything in that. I don't want her to think about me at all. I want to be completely far away. I want to be an antagonist. I want to be anything to like Dude, that really, I could have been known as that dude. Yeah. You know, I could have been known at that as that dude and spent a huge chunk of my time and energy trying to defend myself yeah. to people and to women who are already on edge, who are like, no, she said it, you did it. Yeah. And for all the men that did do shit, you're going to pay for it. And you're older, and you're open. You probably were flirting. You're probably so open and comfortable with your sexuality that you know yeah. you probably didn't even realize you did it. Yeah. You know, um, and there's be, there would be no argument. I couldn't say anything. Anything I say would sound yeah. like defensive. Um, and so that was a crazy experience that happened. I don't know a couple months ago. Well, um, we just wrapped it up. Yeah, and so yeah, we. I went away and was like, you know, I told the owner like I need to really just get away. Um, and cleanse and just really, you know, think about this, about if we can work together. And if we can, it has to be a separate partnership. I can't be around any of these employees. It's not good for her. It's not good for me. It's not good for even you as owner because you technically, if she feels I sexually said something inappropriate, you're still keeping me around. Mm-hmm. So there's lawsuits all around. Um, and then we got back, you know, we, we all talked when I got back and it was very clear that the owner still wasn't in a position to where he understood the severity of it um, and did anything to rectify it. So I put on my shoe, my O's shoes and kept it moving. So it's a crazy story and it's, a, it's interesting because I have a lot of women friends who are really close to me who know how much of an advocate I am for women empowerment and fighting patriarchy and all these things and these women including myself would look at a meme that says if they said it believe it and would totally be on it yeah um but then they would see me and if i told them that story they'd be like that's just that person yo what the fuck 
and it's that dichotomy, right. you know, it's like there's nuance well, to this it's stuff, always, it's crazy. You know, I mean, I always, I'm a huge advocate of, you know, let's not go overboard on one side or the other. Right. Because the truth is in the middle. Uh, and that's, that's like, you know, that's your illustration of it. Right. And, you know, my thing, and I want to reiterate it again, I feel like I'm so hypersensitive to this, I want to say it again and again and again and again. I'm super glad that she said something. I'm totally open to know that I could have said something that offended her. I may have not have thought it was offensive, but it could be offensive to her. What's most important, especially when you're dealing with work and teamwork and communication, it's not only what you say, it's what the other person gets. So if she was offended by my sense of humor, by my sarcasm, by my sexually in the wind, in you wind, this metaphors, uh, conflating a wall with, which I, you know, wall yeah. with a hymen, yeah. I, I could totally understand that. I could totally understand that. And she could say, Tion, we've been working together for a year and it's been cool. That shit, I'm not feeling that. I don't like your jokes. I don't like the way you, you know, say like booty cheeks clenching when people get nervous. I don't like anything that sounds sexual. And I would say this, you know what? I feel you. I will not do that around you. And I apologize for making you feel uncomfortable. But I never got the chance. Well, because it's hard to confront someone. You know, it's easy. It's a passive-aggressive thing. It's the avoiding of the conflict, but yet wanting to be heard. Right. So, unfortunately, like you said, she doesn't understand how serious the consequences of doing that are. Yeah, and she set things in motion that she could not have a control over. Yep. Cause I, then it, so then the next wave is like this. Okay, what if this dude, her boyfriend or whoever, and his friends caught me on the street and jumped me yep. or stabbed me or shot me, yep. right? Okay, now, what if my homies yep. who came to my defense and told this dude he needed to cool it actually caught him on the street? Yep. And beat him or stabbed him or shoot him. Now, in that situation, I have blood on my hands. I have negative karma on my hands because my dude beat the shit out of them, which means either they catch a case or these dudes now have it out for me. And it's a circular, never-ending violence story. Yep. And so the magnitude, there's ripple effects to this. Like, I could have really derailed my one of my good friend's career. Yep. who works in the community as a teacher, as educator. He could have caught a case. Yep. You know, um, it's just so crazy of what could have happened. And so I just, you know, I mean, there's the whole, we can also talk about millennials and, you know, how there is not an understanding of the consequence of actions and how just saying things like that and the entitlement that comes with it, you know, like we cannot, that, that's a factor in, that, in this as well. Right. I mean, talking about that, we're talking about the privilege um, and the empowered privilege that these kids had in this company where they could pretty much just walk all over the boss, just same way kids can walk over their parents and their parents don't want to don't want to have conflict with them. Yeah, for sure. And, and they want them to be liked. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you don't train how to deal with conflict and that's what you get. Yeah. So it was crazy. Um, and I, I think I dodged the bullet. Um, you know, like you never 100% guaranteed no. Um, no. But, you know, it was just crazy. It was scary how close all of that could have could have just went 
Yeah, and I talked to our friend who's an attorney, and she's like, holy shit, yes, that is scary. That is, like, that is dangerous. You guys have rights to, uh, you know, remove yourselves as fast as you did. Right. And just to understand, like, you know, and this is just like a flick of a wrist. Yeah. You know, so it's not to say when women come forward, we shouldn't commend them. Um, it's to say we should listen and try to stay open and understand that there's nuance. Not every time a woman makes an accusation, um, it's 100% accurate. It's 100% accurate for how she's feeling at the time, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But it may not have been the intention of yeah. the other person. Um, it may not have been their goal or motive. And they may not even know they did it through naivety, through ignorance, through different, different styles of communication. Um, and if we don't talk about it, you know, if, if the lady doesn't talk to the boss, at least, or someone where she feels safe, or the perpetrator, and the perpetrator, there's no dialogue, then this, this victim and predator situation perpetuates, and we broad stroke it. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, um, in this Me Too movement era, it's very um, right in many ways, but it's also very trendy to side with the woman and and put every male in this patriarchy shit, whether they know it or not, they're they're a part of it and they're they're they need to be shitted on and, and be put in check. Now, forty years ago, in the South, that energy got black men lynched, got black men jailed for life, got black men shot, got black men dragged by trucks. So. In that case, everyone would be like, no, you should really, you know, do some research. And how do you know? And what do you do to the wrong? You know, but we can all get very complacent and want to click save. This goes back to what we we're talking about earlier in the podcast. It's easier to click save. If they do this, this means that if she says this, that means he did this. I want to be this way or that way. Um, where there's nuance. You know, there's a situation where she totally could have been rubbed the wrong way. And the guy couldn't have said anything wrong. Just because the way people interpret words. Mm-hmm. We don't know. There's so much more to a story. Um, and that's what I love about Malcolm Gladwell and Esther Perel is they have a really good way of going, you know, beyond what people would assume is the obvious thing. So in relationships, to wrap it all into the one big thing, is we have to stay on our toes. It's very fluid. Our definition of words and actions are not the same as someone else's. And if we don't keep communicating and keep opening and amending and growing, um, we will be behind the groove. We'll miss the bus and there will be a lot of confusion. You know, so we are not the same person. Me and Eula are not the same person. We don't have the same use of words. We don't have the same definitions of words. (laughs) We don't have the same definition of actions. So we have to share and discuss and learn and not be so quick to be offended by somebody's words or actions without clarification of what that means. You know, today we're talking about one of our friends who, you know, is in an open, open marriage and told her husband that she was in love with someone else. Like she declared that, you know, and I was putting myself in that situation in his shoes. I was like, you know, my first thing would be like, what does that mean? What does what does I've fallen in love or I'm in love with with this other person? What does that mean? Because 
very I know enough to know that my definition of in love and why I would use it may be different from hers. Right. You know, because um, being in love can be very different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and based upon your experience and based upon your trauma, you could have a crystal clear idea what it means to you. And I could, like, for example, for me, um, in love, in my previous existence before this marriage and non-monogamy, um, created a trauma because what it meant to me as a girl that I was really into or we were maybe dating, and she fell in love with someone else. That meant the end of her dating me. Because yep. there was no option of, of non-monogamy or any of that. It was like one or the other. So I associate when some girl that I'm close to tells me that they're in love with someone, that means the reason why they're telling me that they still tell you basically that okay this is over yeah it's a way to say this is done in a nice way without saying it directly so if you told me you know I'm in love with somebody else my mind says wait and ask for clarification my trigger says oh what you know start preparing for her departure right you know so you know there's so much more to all of this interaction um you know, in this specific interaction with male, with men and women and what it is that they're perceiving in their definition. I don't know what Jody's trauma was. Maybe there's more to it. Right. Maybe her and her boyfriend are going through. I don't know. We don't know. We didn't get a chance to talk about it. No, which will perpetuate her trauma. Right. So, yeah, that was that was our little schnookaduka. And, um, you know, so just stay present. Stay nuanced, you know. Um, understand that none of us see complete reality. We only no. see our perception of it based upon our perceptual yeah. filters. Well, like through who we are. I mean, to me, it's pretty, it's, it's you know, I'm getting used to the realization that I've spent, you know, 15 years living with you and I still am so not used to seeing things through your eyes. You know, my first opinion is based on how I feel about things. Right. And that's, you know, like anyone who starts screaming that white privilege is not real, like it's as real as anything. Right. You know, like until you live through an experience with the other person, that's not your experience. Right. And there's no way I can have your experience without living through it with you. Like how else am I going to get it? Right. It's not like I can, you know, experience it on my own. So that's, you know, to me, that's the big, big, big uh, thing that infuriates me a lot, you know, when other people don't see it and say stupid shit like, you know, oh, I don't have it. Like, dude, you're white, you have it. Right. Um, Yeah, it's hard. And, you know, it's, you know, all in all... It takes a lot of compassion, a lot of understanding the mathematics of communication and perception um, to really understand why someone may not see it or not want to see it or maybe why somebody sees it very clearly based upon their experience or why they see it this way or that way. Um, why, when you say in love, it may mean this joyous thing that you have, that you've inquired something new that you're going to bring to the table and why someone like me could maybe say it, hear it and hear something completely different. Right. Um, you know, so 
this happens in relationships a lot more than we realize. Well, yeah. So when, you know, even like going back to our conversation at the beginning of, uh, you know, people welcoming the partner's growth, but not in a way that makes them uncomfortable. But, you know, the growth has to come in within their definition of acceptable growth. You know, it all ties back into that as well. Yeah. And it's, it's the assumption that everybody sees it how I see it. Right. And it makes total sense. Right. And if you're doing it differently, it's just because you haven't understood yet. Like you, you have not yet understood. Right. You know, that what I am seeing and how I'm feeling is the right way to do it. Right. And if you do it differently than how I do it, after I've told you that it's, you're not doing it right, yeah. then I'm offended and I, ta- I treat it like as if you were consciously trying to um, hurt me or completely just go against what I just told you mm-hmm. with the assumption that what I told you is what you should be doing. Um, and our fears get us in states of mind where we think that's okay to do that. Yeah, because we want control. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the biggest thing. Uh, we read an article in Vice... And it wasn't an article, it was like a blog by this uh, gay man that wrote about his open marriage. And it was the coolest uh, way of describing what really happens mm-hmm. uh, because he totally was able to describe needing to let go of all controls. Mm-hmm. Like, completely, you like through circumstance. You're like, I really just don't have any control over it. Right. And I'm going to roll with it until I can no longer roll with it and then see where I'm at. Right. Because the the ultimate reality is we can't control somebody's path. We can't control or dictate or predict their trajectory of growth. We can't predict how a new experience in their life whether it's a success or a tragedy, is going to affect them. We can't dictate what their yum will be 10 years from now or what their yuck will be. Mm -hmm. So we get in trouble when we try to click save and go, the person that they are now is the one I love the most. So I'm just going to act like they're going to be that same person. And anything that shows me different, I'm going to treat it as an alarm or as something wrong, not as they're growing. Let me figure out what the hell they're, they're going. Um, and it's, you know, it was so raw and what was really dope about it. What we talked about now is like, in particular with polyamory and non-monogamy, um, we can get caught up or people can get caught up. Sometimes we do too. Um, and treating it like a sales pitch, like it's so much, it's this freedom and things are so much better and easier. And it's, you know, and that's why I think a lot of people who are monogamous can kind of get offended until we've clarify what the hell we're we are talking about us too specifically but we see a lot of memes and a lot of a lot of instagram uh pages that are about polyamory and it's all roses and butterflies and rainbows right. oh, and so much better and you're so like if you're not with us you're basically unintelligent yeah. in, in the stone age and and it's uh, like, so easy it's, it's great it's and, you know, you know come, you, come to burning man it's it's gonna yeah. be great once you make a decision it's all good and this article talks about not nah, it's as raw as anything is this shit is not easy freedom it's not easy 
um, trusting and empowering your partner to grow however they're going to grow is not easy. Dealing with your insecurities and traumas, which when you're in an open relationship where the other person has the freedom to be who they want to be and be who and with they want to be and say it honestly um, is not easy. It's not easy and it can get ugly and you will face plant probably more and you will cause more pain more as you're trying to figure out right. yourself and, you and communicate over, it. I think the most difficult part and not, you know, we don't talk about it. Uh, you do, you will do it over and over and over again. You know, it's not a one time thing. You get through this feeling and you'll never feel that again. Yeah. No, you're going to keep feeling it and most likely for life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's an endurance thing and it is definitely something that you feel the benefit, but you also have to deal with this other side right. of it being very difficult. I mean, over the course and, you know, maybe in the next podcast we'll do, we'll recap our summer and even during our summer, we've had quite a few yeah. very difficult episodes. And, you know, if you even during like the record, like the life of this podcast, it's been what a year and a half now. Yeah. Like how many times have we gone through the difficult shit over and at least five times, yeah. like at the, at, at the very least. You know, not counting, like, the daily things that we don't talk about and the feelings that we're able to deal with by, you know, manage internally without speaking. Uh, It's a lot. It's a lot. It's it's intense. It's a lot. It's constant. It's over and over and over again. And that's what I really loved about that blog. And I wish that, you know, more people... Uh, would do that, and we'll we'll do that. I mean, I we do it a lot because <laughs> yeah. that's we, what we talk about. If you listen about. to us, you know that right. we're not talking about this. Just going to be the greatest, easiest thing because we we talk about it in any relationship, including the one with yourself. Being right. honest and being open and being brave mentally and emotionally to tell yourself, admit to yourself these truths, and then commit your. I um, mean, then share them with other people, especially your lover, is in tough. Even in monogamous relationships, we encourage the same thing. Be honest like you don't have to act upon any sexual or emotional connections with other people but you probably like you probably are attracted to other people you probably see other people that move you you probably watched a movie where an actor you were attracted to moved you yeah you probably um met a mentor or a guru that you were attracted to that's our next episode it's so hard to do it's not natural at all there are walls and, and, and barriers like miles thick yeah. uh, to get to that stuff. But, and, and, you know, unless we really, 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 really want to, it's easier not to. Yeah, we have to. We're, 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 we're revolutionaries for stop pretending. Like you can both be committed and monogamous and admit that you are attracted to other people. Like we don't have to pretend that if I if I've committed to this marriage, that means I don't I have, I have eyes. I can no longer see beauty in other people. Mm-hmm. I only see it in you. I mean, just doing that one thing puts so much pressure on the other person. Because if you're trying to shit to say to them, I really don't. I only do with you. So you have to always be this pillar of my beauty. Um, it's pretty rough. 
and uh, not to mention just when you know in relationships when you know somebody so well you can tell when they're being disingenuous and you may not know exactly what it is that they're being disingenuous about but you feel it and when you feel it you react to it and then when I react to it it changes how I speak to you or act to you and next thing you know we're both reacting to the reality that we're being disingenuous Um, and that's where we'll talk man we need to talk about inclusion and normalizing or any of that shit lots of cool things alright well that's enough for now We'll get yeah. into we got ass loads of, of more shit. So which is <laughs> ass loads of more shit. Yes, it's very true. We'll get into you might so be much. offending some some uh, listeners. Come yes. on. Well this is our podcast and if you are offended by asshole, shit loads, anal sex, pussy licking, um whatever else we might say, then we apologize and don't listen to the next one. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that. Uh, we should do our normal things. If you listen, we would ask and would be greatly appreciated if you liked, you commented, you rated on whatever platform you listen to it on. And also, how about referring two or three friends to listen to this? Because yeah. as this grows, which is growing, we just have no idea because we don't check the metrics. <laughs> um, there are more people talking about this, which means you guys have a bigger community of people you could be talking to about these things to where you don't have to feel alone or that you're going to be persecuted for pondering these right. things that we talk about. And eventually, we'd like to go on the road and pop up in different cities and have these things live where we can talk about these things live. So because we don't check our metrics, basically at some point, a promoter is going to call us and be like, hey... You want to go on the road? Then we're like, oh, we didn't realize that. Would, that. Man, I would accept one promoter <laughs> being like, could you come down the street to the <laughs> pub? Um, but these things will happen. And you guys are not alone. And there are people all over in Brazil and Australia and Germany that are listening. So tell a friend to tell a friend. The next thing you know, we'll have a big community. We'll do some like answering more of your guys' questions. And you'll see that you're not alone with the shit that you're thinking about. And the shit you're going through. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that. I guess we'll do gratefuls. Gratefuls. I'm grateful that we actually finally had the time to sit down and do this. We managed to do it. I really wanted to do it today. And we did it. Yes. Thank you. I'm grateful after starving me for half the day you fed me. So I came back to life. So I was able to do the (laughs) podcast. Go acai. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. No, it's. It's a trip. The podcasting is such a trip because once you start, once you get past the first 10-minute mark, you can go for four hours. The first 10 minutes are getting into the doing the podcast. I think it's, it's, it's you know, the hardest part is to get you to set up. Once you're set up, we're good. Yeah. It's weird. Like, it's, a, it's the same type of thing I deal with every now and then with, like, performing and doing things like that where it's like there's a period of time right before I'm like, you know, maybe I could just, just go home and kick it. Like, fuck it. <laughs> like, I have that voice in my head. It's just like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe you shouldn't do that. Like, ah, you're like, I'm going to Brazil. Woo! Book the flight. Like, 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 two days before, you're like, damn, like, I don't know. Maybe I could just stay here. I just canceled the flight. That's all I need to go. <laughs> and you have that, like, feeling. Yeah. So the podcast, I'm, I'm like, oh, we're going to do a podcast. I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I could do that. Like, what if I don't have enough top? What if we, I just, and you just have this voice. <laughs> it's like Eeyore. It's just in your head. Luckily, I have a ton of stuff in my notes in yeah. front of you, and you can just float. Yeah, and it's not even the, the 
content. I mean, fuck, we talk, we'll talk seven hours in a car. Yeah. And we have never run out of shit to talk about. And, and that's every day what we we're going to do. We're going to do a car po- a podcast. Next time we drive to L.A. or anywhere else, we're going to set up and... Car podcast. And basically record whatever waxing poetic that we do yeah. when we drive. Because we're, you know, we're, we're nerdy as shit when it comes to relationships. We train, you know, like you think of these Steph Curry's and LeBron James and people at the peak of their game. They train all the time. They're either resting or recovering or strength training or shooting or practicing. Like we're that. Like we're aiming to be the Golden State Warriors of relationship <laughs> talk. Um, so we, we obsess over it in a loving way. So we talk about shit all the time. Um, yeah, if a car ride gets too long, guess what? Oh, there's three hours to go? Great. Yeah. Let's get into a topic. Yeah, we were driving back from <laughs> L.A., and, like, we kind of went through our normal little glazed, you know, topics. And there's, like, a couple hours, I was getting a little sleepy. Like, fuck, man. I need to, like, I need to get into something good where I can just talk for a lot of time. And I'm like, oh, shit, let's go into something really difficult and uncomfortable. That will keep me. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, like. A lot of times it works out really good. Sometimes it goes off the rails. Yeah. And then by the time we get home, we can't talk. We can't touch each other until the next morning. But, you oh, know. That didn't happen this no, time. No, I was really, let's, let's be grateful for that. <laughs> we're grateful that we're able to, the places that we used to uh, go into in conversations that used to end us, end up in situations where we couldn't touch for a day or two. Um, we don't do that as much anymore. So I'm grateful for that. That's training. Yeah. Uh, I was very conscious of that <laughs> during that conversation. I'm like, we're at that two hour till home oh. period. Let's make sure I don't do anything that derails us to yeah. where by the time we get home, we can't. Uh, but, right. but let's just, you know, as difficult as it might be, just. Yep. Stay, stay, stay engaged, stay, stay present, stay yes. honest, stay yes. inclusionary. Um, yeah. Grateful for the great Brazilian trip. It was really dope. It was long overdue. Um, it set a lot of really dope shit in motion for the fall. Uh, well, when we do our recap, we'll talk about that. My funny Tinder <laughs> experience with a woman who spoke zero English and refused to use Google Translate. <laughs> and the headache it gave me. Uh, a lot of good things. We're grateful that you guys are still here. Uh, we're grateful for all the people who are listening, whether we know you're listening or not. We prefer to know... So, you know, we have an email address, theblackrussianpodcast at gmail.com. We have Instagram at theblackrussianpodcast. Hit us up. Ask anything. Say hello. Say fuck you. Mm-hmm. Um, we appreciate all of that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I appreciate the space that we have to record the podcast and feel super comfortable. Yeah. And our super, super duper awesome kids that yes. have been holding it down and make it possible for us to decide and slide out to L.A. and not worry about them or leave them at home and not worry about them and them caring about themse- each other as much as they do. Right. Yes. No. So they do great. We are traveling and leaving and going here and going there and going to the office um, and We've, we're learning to find they appreciate their alone time and their time to be just together with them as much as um, they appreciate our time all together. Yep. And, it's, and it's really, we're grateful that we're able to do that. We're grateful that we're giving them space to do that because 
it's building their independence mm -hmm. and their, their team dynamics too because life is impermanent it's a scary thing to think about but it's very impermanent so we have no you know no one yep. ever knows yep. so that's what it is the black russian podcast episode 32 ending with another protege song <laughs> bye When a hail Rastafari Now in his eyes are an eye Job be my guide I reside with the most high Even in a drought I no cry These are the times when a hail Rastafari Now in that job will provide for I I said he give better and he take it away Understanding nothing is belonging to me Earth will provide you with the necessity He says simplicity is what we use in these days And Rastafari prophesies there would be wars Many possessions would be lost What you live is what you leave with So hold it close, it's the only thing that's yours Cause every morning I rise to my mind when I hail Rastafari Knowing his eyes are an eye Job be my guide, I reside with the most high Even in a drought I no cry These are the times when I hail Rastafari Knowing that job will provide for I Because we know we cannot walk away Hearts of the lion is telling us not to stay far Cause when it all passes away To abide in your presence is the only thing I pray for Cause it is beautiful to know Storms all around and you safely guide the way home Yes, you're lightening my lawn Keep me right there on the straight road Every morning I rise Peace to my mind when I hail Rastafari Knowing his eyes are an eye Job be my guide, I reside with the most high Even in a drought I no cry These are the times when I hail Rastafari Knowing that Jah will provide for I